When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and... I am looking forward to ringing in the new year, 2021. Here we come. 2020 has been full of lessons, and I was kind of thinking I was done with my podcast recordings, and then I connected with Jessica LaMartiner, and she is just incredible. And I feel like our conversation is is such a perfect way for me to finish out the year and this podcast year. She and I became Facebook friends after I found a post she did about returning to love in the challenges of this year and the racial challenges and the political challenges and the medical challenges and the science challenge. Just all the challenges that this year brought and that – what she wrote just really helped comfort me in a very difficult year. And so I was excited to talk to her, and I hope you enjoy listening to her as well. She is a um, rehabilitation counselor. She is also getting a degree in counseling and has also started a advocacy group, Ezra Advocates, which is a faith-based group that does community outreach and um, community building. So I just hope you get as much out of this conversation as I did. She just is an incredible person, and it makes me excited to be reminded that there's so much good and good work going on out there in this messy world. Thanks for listening. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for joining me on The Family Brain today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to get to talk to you through video. Um, I told you when what, just when we were chatting before recording that I found you originally, you um, posted a beautiful reflection in September around... Um, just the complexities, I mean, I'm sure you could speak to it more clearly than I could, but the complexities of um, the 
race issues in our country and sort of faith and digging through all of that to find love again. And um, it just hit me in a moment that, that I needed that message. Can you tell me a little bit about what prompted all of that and, and those reflections? And it, it went all over the place. Yes, of course. Um, so I, I believe the night that I had posted this, actually, I probably posted it in the morning around 6 a.m., but I had stayed awake the whole night because I had saw some things on the news that really just disturbed me. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, since I'm awake in the middle of night, let me also just look up my ancestry because I did do an ancestry um, with DNA kit. Um, and so they had traced my ancestry back, I think about fifth, five or six generations. And so I saw a picture of one of those individuals and um, I was like, okay, cool. This is my great, 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 great grandfather. Um, and then I was just looking at more information about him and I found out he was born in Tennessee. And then I found out he was a soldier. And then I found out he was a Confederate soldier. Um, and, and when I saw that, and also just thinking about everything that I heard on the news, like at that time, um, one of the protester, a protesters uh, shot a police officer. At, in addition, I believe um, a police officer ran over over their head and when I was just reading that it just so disturbed me so deeply and then when I saw the picture that my grandfather is a confederate and I don't know which side he stands on I come to realize after posting that post that some confederate soldiers were forced into confederacy or to um, fight but what about if he wasn't forced? What about if he was for the war? So I had just was thinking about really about Black Lives Matter, about police, about the hate I'm seeing, a Democrat versus Republican. My heart was just so, um, I was just so moved to say something that, that in the midst of all that we see, no matter if we're Democrat or Republican, and actually I'm neither, I'm, I'm independent so that I, and, and it doesn't matter if someone's Democrat or Republic. That's not my point. My point is that we have to stand in love, no matter what, what we're viewing or what, let's say, no, no matter what the political party we're on or um, whatever social justice issue is happening, we still have to stand on the side of love. Police officers and Black lives matters and and just the black community we have to meet in reconciliation the democrat versus republican the elections were happening as you also know we have to stand in love towards each other so that was really upon my heart and like i said i lost a night of sleep thinking about all of that and i'm like i'm gonna write this out and so i did not expect that it would go um i mean to be spread so far like that because Typically, you know, you put out a Facebook post and you'll get um, maybe a few dozens, maybe even up to a hundred. When I get to a hundred, I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. but this reached a few thousand. So that definitely shocked me. Yeah. <laughs> Initially. Well, I think what was so beautiful and I'll share, I'll share the post in the show notes just so people can see what you wrote. But I think what spoke to me so much was just that disconnect in myself of 
you know, as you realize like, oh, someone sees something very differently and I, I have a problem with that, but then how do I return to that love? And it's not always easy to do. I mean, I think this past year has shown me that it can be tricky. It's not always easy to return to that, but I think that's what I was, um, in my faith, I felt like it's not really okay to just be like, okay, well, that person's dead to me. You know, this person, you know, how do I decide who do I write off, you know, and just say, I washed my hands of you. And, um, so I really think that it's, it, it put in perspective and to have those pieces inside of you, you know, as your, Mm -hmm. as your makeup, um, I, so you found out just that right before you wrote all of that, you just found that yes. out. Wow. Yeah, I just found that out. Yeah. And so with everything going on, I was like, wow, my own grand, great, great grandfather, he is white and, um, was a Confederate. And, and even though I don't know if he was for Confederacy or not, I I'm going to choose not to let hate reside in my heart yeah. towards someone who chose a path that's different than me. I feel like that is a very evil path um, to fight for. And so, but nevertheless, I decide, I have to decide in my heart to not let hate reside towards anybody. Um, And now that I have done Ancestry.com, I'm related to people who don't look a lot like me at all, just because of my makeup and how I have different ethnicities. So I can't really look at someone and be like, I hate that person. That person literally could be my family. And honestly, we are all part of this human family, this. And so hating one another just does not make sense Mm. based on um, other people's beliefs. Cause ultimately we're hating ourselves because that person carries the image of God within them. And so do we. So if we're hating them, it's like we're hating a reflection of ourselves. Yes. That's so, yeah. you need an ancestry.com deal, <laughs> right? If anybody's yeah. listening and knows anybody at ancestry, because I think it is, it's, it's so interesting to find those pieces of yourselves, but then you think about the wider implication of that and the connectedness of all of us. And I just think that's really powerful. Um, so what, um, I know we, we had, well, I had found you originally around this post, but then I've just been following along with your life. Cause I became your face. Did you get a lot of new Facebook friends? Were you like, who is I did. I did. I was like, typically I don't add people that I don't know, but I was like, no, no, it's okay. I want to share my life and my point of views with just anyone who's interested. So I do have maybe like a hundred new friends, which okay. I love. <laughs> well, I'm one of your new friends and I'm happy yes. to report. At least I don't think I'm creepy. So I'm no, here. No, you're not. And your, no. your family is beautiful. But then I also just was noticing um, that you posted something about mental health and that mm-hmm. that's something. So what, can you tell me a little bit about what, I think you're in school right now for, and what are you working on right now? What's the, what's your path? Um, So right now I'm in graduate school and um, my degree that I'm getting is rehabilitation and mental health counseling. And right now I work um, as a vocational rehabilitation counselor. So it lines up with what I'm doing now and just getting the certification and going through this process. Um, But I've obviously had to read a lot this semester as graduate school forces you to do or you'll fail. Uh, So I've had to read a lot about just mental health and um, 
and rehabilitation. And I know in the past that at times I definitely struggled with mental health, with depression during very tragic moments of my life. And during this pandemic, oh my goodness, I have had to come face to face with some of my things that I felt like I kind of hid in a way. This was the year to address um, everything that I didn't address in life. And and, and part of that was, um, I, I just had a lot more anxiety than I have had Um, since those tragic moments of my life. And so coming to, to, so I'm a person of faith. So I've really had to seek God in these moments, but also just dive into the complexities of what I'm dealing with, address um, past traumas that maybe I hid away and, 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 and address my anxiety. And so I really am a big advocate for mental health, um, especially for minority communities, because this is sometimes a taboo topic to talk about mental health um, and going to see a therapist. I'm not currently going to a therapist, but I am doing the work that I need to, but I advocate for that. Um, I have most of my clients that I work with, I send referrals to see neuropsychologists and um, therapists and things like that. And so I just feel like it is highly important to address um, that topic within all communities, but especially in the communities of people of color who view this topic as taboo. Yeah. Well, I think that there, one of the things that I've noticed with mental health is it can make what, so if you're if you're looking at a system of oppression and a history of oppression, and then it's saying you need to come in and get help. It, it could feel like it's, it's a both and to me, right? It's like, you feel like you're being called out. Like you need some help. Well, we all need some help. And I think that it seems like the best interventions are the ones that can acknowledge you struggle within a bigger system. It's not just you, your problems and your isolation. It's, um, it's bigger than that, but I think there needs to be better. And that's why I love what you were writing. I think there needs to be almost like better PR on that, you know, like, so people can say like, yes, yes, we're living in this oppression and this history and you're allowed to seek help because it hurts. Right. You know, absolutely. I feel like that's exactly what needs to happen. Um, during this year, I think most of my, um, challenges within me have been with just the climate of, um, just with the protests and the election and just literally seeing the hate. And honestly, especially being a person of color, I think what has been under the surface is really being a knowledge, especially because there's like video phones um, with the systemic racism and things like that. But this is something I've experienced my whole life. Almost all black people, uh, or I'm going to just say majority, not all, (laughs) um, have experienced some type of racism or something like that. And just because there's such a long history of oppression, it's like we carry uh, many of us just, there's this is something we have to work through and it's not being addressed very often. And it's uh, and and if it is being addressed, it's on the streets and there's riots. And really I feel like 
the inner work we have to do starts here. And then we have to bring that out to the community and dialogue and maybe um, protests, but protests that are nonviolent uh, without riots. But, but honestly, it all starts here and here, which I'm pointing to my heart and to my mind um, and in your home and in your family. And, and that often might mean seeking help, finding a confidant to help you work out any trauma from if it's systemic racism or trauma from past or whatever the issues might be. I definitely have dealt with, um, uh, I mean, I, this year, two of my close family, family members have died, but when I was 13, it was like left and right people were dying. And then, um, uh, one of my best friends died of leukemia. My other best friend was, we were having issues and she departed. Another friend died of suicide or, Um, And my grandfather died of pancreatic cancer. So during that time, it was like, I wish I, 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 I wish there were more supports around me at that time. But, but um, my faith really brought me through. And then I had to speak to somebody, though. And I did have that confidant. And I feel like therapists can also be that confidant. But we need that. People need that. We can't do life alone. Yes. You know. Well, and that's what I love about, I mean, there's so, there can be so much, um, drawbacks to social media and just the, you know, the highlight reel of people's lives. But I think that when people use it for this kind of thing and for spreading messages of like, you're not alone, this is what happened to me. And just to help people connect to, cause it's just so easy to feel isolated when you're feeling not very good. And especially around the holidays, especially around this holiday, this holiday yeah. in particular is like the Super Bowl of like getting through stuff, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like I love the messages of encouragement and just reminding people that they're not alone. And I mean, so in your, in your program, how have you found, has there been a warm reception to integrating faith with mental health interventions? How has that been for you? Yeah. So I actually work for the state um, and so the government. So my faith is such a part of what I do that I just love people without them, um, without always expressing the name that I call love. (laughs) Um, But nevertheless, it's really neat that when people do share the same faith as me, which I'm a Christian, they tend to know when they meet me in my office. And um, I definitely wear jewelry that, might state that I'm a Christian. I have a cross on that I typically wear and things like that. But they're like, are you, are you um, a sister in Christ? I'm like, uh, and I, I'll wink or something like, hello. I don't know. I just, uh, isn't it so I, interesting that it's like, it has to be kind of subtle though. Right. It, I guess working yeah. for the government maybe. Right. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. I try not to, um, I, I don't make it blatantly known, but I definitely like I pray for my clients before they come into my office. I already pray for an atmosphere that they can experience peace, love, a safe place that they can, that they can feel rest. That is one of the things I pray literally before I meet a client. And I talk to my clients. Oh goodness. I have to meet with my clients once a month and I have about 60 clients. So I have meetings constantly and I am just constantly praying for myself that I have a heart that is willing to listen to them and see them and see who they really are and not just view their 
issues, but see them holistically and love them. Sometimes my clients are very different than myself and have done things very different um, and things that I think are wrong, they have done, but I, I still have to stand in a position of love. Uh, some of my clients are ex-convents um, and I have to hear their whole story. Um, and, and sometimes I'm in a position where I slightly feel uncomfortable, but over the years now I've had to like release that and, and just love them without judgment. And, and that has been something that um, has the reason I can do that is because of my faith. I feel that God loves me despite all the sins that I've done or the wrong that I've done. And I've done a lot of wrong. I'm not perfect. No one is. Um, and so now I can enter a space with the individuals I come in contact with and love them like that. But now because I'm in this counseling field um, and, and pretty much have been this confidant for a lot of my friends and family, I, I take that with me wherever I go. So when I'm not working, doing work with the government, oh, everybody else does know my faith and I share it openly a lot. But um, just because I know that love, love's name is Jesus. And so um, I'm not trying to force them into anything. And I never do. I just literally love them and that attracts them to Jesus. But I am sure to tell them when they ask me that, that light they see inside me, the peace they see, which I have had to, um, labor into that peace. Sometimes I have to battle in my own mind to enter that peace. Like, oh yeah, let me release what's going on in this world. Let me stop observing the the hate and or, or, or always focusing on what's wrong and focus on things above. And um, and and that is where my peace comes from. When I release my concentration and focus on what's going on, um. And I, I love sharing about my faith, honestly. But when I'm working with my clients specifically in the government, I, it's more subvert. Mm-hmm. I just love them. I bless them. I'm like, I, I'll say something like, I send you blessings. And I really do. I'm praying over them for peace, for love and joy. So I have really great relationships with my clients. Um, uh, and, and honestly, I feel like sometimes saying I'm a counselor and they're my client can even, that the title in itself can have barriers to helping or loving them or meeting them in their connect, being connected to them. So honestly, I try to remove this title from my head and just love them for who they are um, and, and just meet them and that, that humanity that we both share. Um, Cause they sometimes help me too. They, they give me blessings. So if that makes sense. Yeah. I love that. And I, I feel similarly as a therapist, um, you know, who am I like, who am I, you know, but it's sort of a vessel and a space, you know, of, yeah. of allowing there to be, I love what you said about, um, you know, praying that they have rest, you know, and that they have just that sense. And I think that's something that you can offer to people that there's just always this kind of gerbil wheel of life. And if you can offer someone some rest and some not offer someone, but just create that environment that perhaps it arrives there. Um, do you follow there's on Instagram? It's the nap ministry. I don't, I'm not on Instagram as much, but I I, probably have a lot more time. Then I am, I am going to look them up though. So I have like really good. So it's called the nap nap ministry. Um, I wish I could speak, you know, 
excellently about it. But what I love about it is that they basically put out messages um, about our right to rest and that, the, you know, getting off the treadmill and that there are these oppressive systems at work that will convince you that you need to go, 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 go. And that that's a lie. And it's, it's just, it's, it's good whether you want to take it in or not. It's, it's a good mental process of like, huh? Okay. Yeah. How much do I struggle with allowing myself to rest? And what is, what is that about? It's really good. Yeah. Um, oh, I will definitely look that up because that has been one of my main problems. Um, working from home since March, I, I, I'm a mother, I'm, I'm, I'm a wife, and I'm a worker. Um, and now I also went back to school. So it's like, how do I find this rest? I was really beating myself up on not being as productive as I used to be when I was in the office and like, it, trying to keep myself to these impossible standards of still doing what I typically do in the office and literally not being able to do that much. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I have really great management. They're like, Jessica, it's okay. (laughs) And, 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 um, you're still doing everything. You're still meeting deadlines. I, I tend to be a little bit of an overachiever. So, so finding that rest, like, yeah, I can't do any more in this moment and that's okay. Or being in the fact that I'm at home with my family all the time, which I dearly love them. And we have phenomenal, we have a phenomenal relationship, my husband and I, and my son and I, but I still need time to myself. Right. So how do I um, carve that out? So I've literally had to share all my boundaries with my family. Like, okay, I'm at my limit. I need to go to bed or, um, okay, this is mommy time. I'm going to, well, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll go to the restroom and be like, give me 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't know, but I've had to like sh- openly constantly share, like I need rest. Um, and that's something that I wasn't used to doing and especially making it known to others when I have, like, I'm at my limit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and luckily when they have pushed me over my limit, they have seen the results of that. So now they have like, <laughs> they, they trust me when I say, okay, I'm at my limit. You yes. got to go to bed. I'm going to bed. We're all going to bed. Yes. So, no, yeah. I think that that's one of the things that all of this has exposed in, in, in so many ways. I mean, nobody would wish for a pandemic to learn these yeah. things, but I think sometimes it takes a pretty significant shakeup to kind of expose the pieces that, and I'm the same. I mean, I'm the same of feeling like I, I might want pray for peace and rest for someone else, but not for myself, for myself, yeah. you better keep going, you know? Um, and it's just reminding yourself that, and I think sometimes you just hit that wall where you're like, it just has to happen, you know, but then how do you get to that point where you don't have to hit the wall? You can like, right. you know, hit the bump and then take a rest <laughs> or maybe not even hit the bump. Um, but I love that. Well, and I love, I love, um, that there's more, I want to say like people exploring therapy and counseling that have different backgrounds because I'll talk to people and sometimes they're, you know, there's a lot of people that look kind of like me, you know, and it's, it's just, and I don't, I know that's not everyone, but it's just, it, there needs to be more offered to people that feel the connection. And I do believe you don't always have to have had the same experience. I mean, I'm sure you Mm -hmm. meet with people who have had very different experiences, but you can still connect, but there's something about seeing a little bit of yourself in someone that can help the process. 
And um, I just think that's really cool. What about, um, do you follow um, Rachel Cargill? Cargill? Am I saying her Cargill? Car- is I spell her last name? I think. C-A-R-G-Y-L-E, I think. I think so. Yeah. Yes, I do. He has like a... Um, Oh my gosh. I hate when I bring things up and then I don't know like the specifics, but she has something that's like therapy, therapy fund for black women and like raises money for black women to have therapy. And it's just so, it's just exciting to me that there's just more happening. And I feel like, I mean, one of the things I would love to see more of is just that accessibility because that's the hard part is just having it accessible to people who maybe aren't in the government system or aren't in some system Mm -hmm. of, of something has gone wrong, you know? Um, and I don't know how we do that, but I love that, you know, being that I work for the government, our services are free, but not everybody is coming to the government to get services. And it's like, now that I know that, that, there is a accessibility issue, especially with the cost. That's the biggest thing. And just also being aware of the services, but luckily I, that's why I'm such an advocate for mental health. Um, I know I don't look like the typical counselor that people are used to seeing. I have dreadlocks. I wear a lot of jewelry um, because I like jewelry and, and, and I'm very me. I'm very colorful. (laughs) And, and sometimes people need that. Like they just need these reminders that, Oh, okay, um, addressing our mental health is for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not just for one individual or, or um, a certain population. We all need that. Uh, and honestly, I know I'm not diagnosed with anything. Um, and, and, and really my, I guess my bouts of anxiety or trauma are often related to an event. But goodness gracious, during those events, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, we all do. And yes. um, and I can't get through my trauma alone. And I think sometimes people want to do that. Um, just like, I'll just get through this alone, but goodness gracious, isolation is like the worst enemy for, um, when you're going through something. And, and like you said, December or Christmas or just the holidays are really difficult for a lot of individuals. And I think we should, that there needs to be more people saying, Hey, you're not alone. Let's talk. Um, and I, I advocate for therapy too, because these individuals like yourself were trained in trauma informed care, um, trained on how to be an active listener, how to, um, listen, how to, you know, just all these things. So sometimes you go to somebody and they're like toxic and that might not be the person you want to share that with. So going to someone who actually, um, can sit with you and be with you and speak life into you. It's just so very important. And it doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a good friend. It could right. be a pastor. It could be um, whatever, so, but um, just finding that person is so important. It is. Don't you and think? I think if anybody's listening and they're, th- they're thinking, well, how could I offer that to someone? I think it goes back to that, creating the space for them to just let let it all go and, and yeah. not necessarily needing to fix it. And I struggle with this sometimes, even as a therapist, like I'm taught to be an active listener, but sometimes I want to fix it too. I mean, that's yeah. sort of our, I feel like many, many people, I won't say everybody's, but like, that's my leaning is like, how do we fix this? You know, but right. sometimes it's just that reminder of creating the space for people 
to feel that safety and to kind of release whatever is going through. And sometimes I feel like it's just that matter of taking what's in your mind and getting it out. It's like the metabolizing of whatever that thing is and without a solution required. Um, Yeah. Anybody that's, that's, that's so huge. And what I do with, um, as a vocational rehabilitation counselor, my whole job is to help them fix their problem. Um, but then in my personal life, I've had some friends go through some really hard times. Um, one friend, um, who I love dearly, she's the best friend of my child's son. Um, I, I don't think I, yeah, wait, I think I said that wrong. She is the mother of my son's best friend. There we go. (laughs) And, um, so I've gone to her and she and her husband had split and all these things And her house was like, just, um, just like she has three little kids. One is an infant and her house was just in a state of chaos or just like things were just very messy. So every time I went there, I'm like, do you want me to cook? Do you want me to clean? Do you want me? I can do whatever you need. You want me to babysit? You could just relax. And she was like, no, don't do anything. And I'm like, are you sure? Cause I can help you. And I was at times I was feeling like I was frustrated. I'm like, I'm offering help and you're not taking it. I will do whatever you need. And she was just like, can you just sit with me? Can you just talk with me? I just need a friend. I don't, I don't need anything from you other than that. And that was like, okay. Cause in my working in the government, all I do is like help my clients get the services they need. Um, to, to, um, address whatever challenges they have, but ultimately, um, even in what I do, bless you. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Uh, I, even in my position with my work, I realize sometimes my clients just want me to listen, but oftentimes they're asking me to do things, but I've had to come to realize like, um, this year, especially just to, there are times to fix it. And sometimes people need that, but there's, oftentimes and a lot of times that people don't want that they just want you to sit they don't they don't care that their house is messy I because I I had put pressure on myself this is what I realized Megan and I would love to share this with you the places where you sometimes the places where I condemn myself um when I see someone else doing that I realize I condemn them but if I can stop condemning myself for something like I had this pressure of keeping my house clean if I don't do that I'm not a good mother I'm not a good wife I got to keep it clean I got to keep cleaning um and that means sometimes I'm cleaning for an hour or two every day um and so when I went to my friend's house and her house was in a disarray I'm like let me help you clean and when she was like no I don't need that subconsciously I judged her and um And I had to go home and like, what's going on? Why am I looking at this beautiful friend of mine? And why do I have any negative thoughts about what's going on? And I realized it's because I had negative, negative thoughts about myself. Mm -hmm. And so if I can love myself through my faults, or um, if my house is messy, still be like, if I can step away from condemning myself, I can love others better when they're going when their house is messy. And I feel like that's really superficial, but I mean, we could take that deeper, whatever we're is, struggling with. Deep. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's funny because as I listen to you, I'm thinking if any of my sisters are listening to you, they're like, oh, that sounds just like Megan. Cause I would go <laughs> and be like, why are these here? What is this? Why? You know, like just kind of like, but it was my own churning of like not being able to settle until everything was 
where it yeah. needs to be. And they just want to, everybody just wants to be together. It's not about who left their shoes out. Right. <laughs> and that I can't believe that's one of the issues that came up to me, came up through this pandemic that I had to address. And I was like, what a silly issue, but it was such like, I had to really get to the core of it. Like, Mm -hmm. why do I judge my friends when their house is messy and they don't take my help? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because I'm an organizer and I can fix it up and I really can. And I was like, okay, it's because the problem is within me. Mm -hmm. All of this is within me. I can't help anyone until I address this in myself. And I can just be in a place of rest despite um, the chaos or like the messiness. I'll just say messiness or disorganization. but honestly, too, Megan, it does help when your house is organized. It help, It's like a spiritual type of work to go through the clutter and um, become organized. And so I am an advocate of being organized, but I also had to release the condemnation I felt when I wasn't organized. Yes. No, I think it's, it's that whole both thing. And just how do you allow yourself that rest, you yeah. know, even even when you desire something different, what, so this is kind of switching gears, but I did also notice that you are a fluent in American sign language. Yeah. How did that come to be? Oh, you know what? That's such a great question. And I love talking about American sign language. So, um, so let me, let me just give this background as a vocational rehabilitation counselor right now, I work with individuals with disabilities and help them find, um, and prepare for and obtain work. And so uh, that is working with, yeah. So I work with, and I specifically work with individuals with disabilities. Sometimes that's also um, severe mental illness, but I, I just been working with individuals with disabilities for a long time. But the reason I got into that is a really interesting story. So when I was three, I did not speak. Um, And that is, Yeah, I did not speak. So I was in speech therapy for about uh, nine years, actually, um, which is hard for some people to believe because they're like, don't you, most of your life, aren't you speaking? Like my profession is speaking now. Um, But I was in speech therapy for a long time to work on my speech. And it was just, it was just a a language delay um, or not, I'm sorry, not a language. There was a language delay when I was three, but it was um, just my speech. Um, And I grew up in the, in, in South Phoenix and um, a bit of the, as some people would say, the ghetto initially, then I moved away from that. But um, I honestly think, I honestly think that my speech therapists were trying to just drill in a, um, what do you call it? Like an English standard mm. type of speech. So like all my dialect and my accent was gotten rid of, got, it was written of when I was in speech therapy. But in, anyway, yeah. I say this because um, I went to speech therapy with individuals who were sometimes hard of hearing um, or whatever the case. I I constantly was faced with individuals with disabilities and I did not view myself as different from them. I don't have a documented disability at this time, but, um, and so over the years I had saw this stigma towards people with disabilities and that really bothered me. And so um, I think actually at around 16, 17, I started to work with individuals with disabilities or volunteering with them. But when it comes to that deaf people or hard of hearing, um, I remember going up to a kid um, at camp one day, I was um, in summer camp. Uh, 
and he was sitting by himself and I went to talk to him and I, and he told me he couldn't hear. He pointed to his ears and, you know, just was like, can't hear. Well, I shook his head and I was like, okay. Um, and I kept trying to say something and he kept pointing to his ear. Like, I can't hear you. Um, because I was always drawn to those who were sitting by themselves and it really frustrated me that I couldn't speak to him, that he had no one to speak to honestly at that camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no pen or pencil, um, at that time. And I remember trying to get one later and like trying to talk to him and he was just like, he would, he eventually was like, I'm okay. Like you can just let me be, but, but that still bothered me. And I was about eight at that time. So in high school, and I went to a really big high school that offered phenomenal foreign languages. So like they offer Japanese and um, Italian and Portuguese. And one of them was American Sign Language. Now I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and my mom and dad were like, why don't you take Spanish? Because there were a lot of Spanish, there are a lot of Spanish speakers in Arizona. And she's like that, my parents were like, that could be a great skill for you. I'm like, no, I want to take American Sign Language. Um, and I did, and I took it for four years and I really come to love the deaf community. But, um, in four years, if you're not that, that's still not enough to become fluent is what I realized. You have to immerse yourself in the deaf community and the hard of hearing community. Um, uh, and so I eventually became a teacher and worked for the school of the deaf, um, in another state, um, for about three and a half years. And that definitely helped me become fluent. And then I came back to Arizona and became like an educational interpreter. And now I work as a woke rehab counselor, but um, I am now taking my last certification test in January to become a nationally certified interpreter. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm so excited about that. I don't, uh, I honestly love performing too. So I, I well, did. That's like one of my favorite things when people are yeah. presenting and there's the interpreter and I don't necessarily, I mean, I know what they're saying because I can hear what the person is saying, but it makes yeah. it so fun. Like just it if really, you really perform in it. I love it. I, lo- I love acting. And, and when I was in college, so in my undergrad, my, um, my undergrad major is speech therapy. Oddly enough, I was in speech therapy for nine years and I'm like, well, now let me help others. And I, I'm not a speech therapist now, but um, I took, besides speech therapy classes or communication disorder classes, I took um, theater. I took a lot of theater. I took as much theater as I could, almost like a major, um, if my major was theater. And so uh, it, it just kind of worked out interpreting when I do interpret and I've worked, I interpret it at schools and at churches. And then when I become nationally certified, I can interpret anywhere. Um, and I've done like little concerts and things like that, but, uh, there's such a performance aspect to it. You cannot interpret well, if you can't not, um, impersonate what the other person's saying or give the same facial expressions mm. and, and, um, like literally share the sentiment of what another person says. So it is so fun to do. Um, I feel like, like really good interpreters are good actors. Yes. I think it would be really fun. And that was just a fun discovery for me that it's not just for the people who need the sign language. It's for everyone. And it, it kind of makes it a more exciting performance. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. 
I have loved talking to you and I think you're just so great. And now it's fun that I actually have spoken to you now that I, I see your family scroll in, in my Facebook scroll. Um, but I'm going to add a link too for some resources for people over the holidays of like helplines and things like that. Just so if people are feeling like they don't have a confidant or someone, there's various resources for that. And I think this time of year is just can, can add a little extra pressure on people. So I love you sharing your um, story and just kind of reminding people that there's people out there that want to help that don't want people to feel alone. So. Awesome. I think so that's much. great. And if well, people want to hear, learn more about you, where should they look you up? Is there a way yeah. to, we don't want to have you bombarded with all kinds of Facebook friends, but do you have a public page anywhere? You know, Oh, never thought of this idea. I, you know, right now they could just add me as friends. I'm more okay. than willing to, than to become, to become friends with others. I do have like, um, a Facebook page for my sign language called learn sign language with Jess, but, um, they can literally just add me on Facebook and I okay. do have Instagram too. I, like I said, I don't think I said this clearly. I have a bit of a love hate relationship because, when you start going on Instagram too much, you, you start comparing yourself to others. And mm. so um, I limit myself to like one to two minutes yes. when I do go on it. So wise. <laughs> like, okay. um, and I try not to, yeah, because no matter what, we're human and it's best not to compare yourself to others. But when you're bombarded with many other people in your peer group and they're doing things that you wanted to do, it's hard not to compare. So right. um, Honestly, people can still follow me on that too, though. Okay. Uh, and my my uh, IG name is simply Jess three thirteen. Okay. On there, or, or or they could just look up Jessica Lamartinier and they'll find me too. Okay. And I'll tag you when I promote this episode. I'll tag you with that. On okay. There. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you for the interview. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Family Brain. As I talked about with Jessica, the holidays can be great. They can also be very challenging. And if you're feeling alone in this season and in need of someone to talk to, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24 hours a day. That number is 800-273-8255. And if you look up National Suicide Hotline, there's also a chat option. So it's a place to go if you need support and it's available 24 hours a day and it's free. If you'd like to learn more about the Family Brain Podcast, you can check us out wherever you listen to your podcasts. Apple is where I listen to mine. Spotify is also very popular. And you can also listen to all the back episodes online, familybrainpodcast.com. So thanks so much for listening and being supportive throughout the year. And I look forward to what 2021 has in store for us. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.